Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. And welcome in another edition of Mile High Magazine, and I am Murphy Houston. And today we're talking to folks that are involved with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. We have Julie Jackasik, Patient Access Senior Volunteer Development Manager. How'd I do? Good. It's a long one. <laughs> it, it is. And Sarah Davenport, who's the campaign manager, Light the Night. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And also a leukemia survivor. Lymphoma, Lymphoma. survivor, actually. Okay, okay, yeah. got that. That's a, that's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, I definitely wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Oh, my. Well, let's start. Julie, I'm going to talk to you about what is the mission of, can we just say LLS to kind of save a little time and and I'll get my tongue caught someplace? Yeah, Sarah's going to tell you a little bit about the mission. Okay, tell me. Absolutely. So the mission of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, or LLS, is to find a cure for blood cancers and make the lives of patients and their families better along the way. So... We're, our goal really is we work towards a cure. And then in the meantime, while we're working towards a cure, we're really striving to make the, the lives of patients and their families better. Well, that's a good thing because it's got to be the, one of the most stressful things you're ever going to go through. Absolutely. And one of the ways that we do that is really through our patient access program. And that's what Julie is in charge of here in Rocky Mountain. And she can talk a little bit more about that. Please do. Yeah, so um, I'm here in Colorado, but we cover Colorado and Wyoming, the Rocky Mountain chapter does. As an organization, we are all throughout the United States, and we're here to support those patients and their caregivers and their family members through a variety of different resources, financial resources, and also educational and support resources. So how does that work? Get in a little more detail about that so people have an idea what you mean, financial and resources of information. Yeah, so we have four different financial assistance programs. We have medical and non-medical assistance, so meaning to help for things like your co-pays for your treatments and also things to help for utilities or um, groceries, getting to and from your appointments. We also have a lot of just general support, so peer-to-peer support. If you want to talk to someone else who understands what you're going through, we can match you with a volunteer. So I imagine that's extremely helpful, but... Is that a big problem? I mean, don't families kind of help with all those situations or or not? They do. Without your help. Right. They do. And but your family member doesn't necessarily really understand what it is like to go through this process. So by matching them with someone else who's their same age, their same diagnosis, maybe their same treatment, they can just have a conversation and say, Do you understand what I'm going through? Ah. That makes a big difference. And I'm going to hop in here. But no, you know, I was going to ask you to hop in here. (laughs) Because you've been through this. I have been through this. And one of the biggest pieces of being able to talk to somebody else who's already been through it, who knows the ropes, basically, is when I talk to my family, my family is amazing. They showed up for me. They were there for me. They went to treatment with me. Uh, But... A lot of times when I would talk to them, like Julie said, they didn't necessarily know what it was like, and they were scared, too. Oh, sure. They were oh, really scared, and no so doubt. then I felt like I had to kind of manage their feelings around it, but when you're talking to another survivor, it's just like, oh, I get it. Yeah, this is what it feels like to get chemo. This is what you know I dealt with, and when I went to treatment, I took a stuffed animal or I wanted to make sure I had these kind of snacks. And, you know, this is what the follow up has been like. Like, it's much 
it was it just felt much more practical talking to somebody and i didn't have to worry like are they going to be afraid is it too much for me to say i'm really scared yeah so that that was a big piece of having those that resource that peer to peer resource and talking to somebody well let's just back up a bit uh, sarah you are a survivor of lymphoma what was that like when you were sitting there and the doctor said sorry to tell you I mean, that that emotional moment, I, I've been through breast cancer with my wife twice. Mm-hmm. And the first time it was like, what? And she just, she just zoned out. Mm-hmm. And then I had to be an advocate, which you always encourage family members to be. Was that the way it was for you? Definitely. Well, the, I actually am a two-time survivor as well. Um, the first time it was a totally different cancer. I was not expecting it in any way, shape, or form. Healthy, young. I was 37 when I was first diagnosed. Wow. Uh, And, yeah, went in because I had a lump on my neck, and the doctor did an ultrasound and looked at me and said, oh, that's totally cancer. Just nonchalant? I was like, like, I'm sorry, what? Wow. And that one hit me like a bus. Yeah. Uh, And then I went through surgery and treatment for that, and then cut to about a year after that. I had another lump show up, but in a different place on my neck. And so going through the process of the scans and the biopsies and all that, and when my doctor called, I'll never forget, it was a Tuesday night at about 7.30 p.m., and I just thought, oh, this isn't good. Doctors don't call you in the evening with good news. No, they don't. And when he said, this is lymphoma... I just started laughing. I was like, are you kidding? Like hysterical, you know, like not quite in my right mind. Um, And I was more worried about telling my family like, oh, my gosh, we have to go through this again. That can't be easy, even for the second time, even though you know what to expect now after going through it once. It just can't be easy. Come on. Well, and it was just the awe of like, are you kidding me? I just made it through this. And now I have to do this again. Like, do I have this in me? What's this going to look like? And because it was a different type of cancer, I mean, I knew, but I didn't know. Uh, It was still all new to me of like, what does it look like to have a blood cancer? Yeah. Really scary, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure. Do your lymph nodes play into that? Because I know when my wife was ill, boy, the lymph nodes were big. Mm-hmm. And you want them to be clean because they could spread that cancer anywhere. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's how I found the second one is because I had a swollen lymph node. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So now you're doing well. I am. I'm coming up. April 18th will be three years in remission. Congratulations. Wood. Knock on my uh, head. It's like wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I feel good. Um, and then being able to be a part of LLS and the work we do here has just been absolutely incredible. And with your attitude, as positive as it is, which plays a big role in it, right, Julie, as far as healing and, and being healthy, I'll bet you're sharing that now with others. I really try to. Yeah. I really try to. And just to loop around to our upcoming blood cancer conference uh, that's on Saturday, May 4th, which is part of the reason why we're here. I attended that as a patient first before I even was working at LLS and that community and being able to see people on the other side and talk to them and, you know, go to this incredible event was so helpful and just so powerful for me just coming out of of treatment. What a great segue to you, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Sarah. Let's talk about the blood cancer conference. You have all the information. I do. Well, let's let's get it out there so people can know what's going on. Yeah, as Sarah said, it's Saturday, May 4th. 
It's at the Hyde Regency Aurora Denver Conference Center, which is uh, around like 225 in Colfax. Okay. It's a free conference. The whole day is free. And it is for patients, caregivers, family members, friends, and also healthcare professionals. That have leukemia and lymphoma, or is it just leukemia? All blood cancer. So All leukemia, blood cancer, okay. lymphoma, myeloma, myelodysplastic syndromes, and myeloproliferative neoplasms. And so now people are going, wow, I should go to that. What's going to happen there? They're going to get a lot of information. Uh, a lot of people bring a caregiver, and sometimes they'll kind of split up to get even more information between the two of them. So they'll start their day for through a welcome, and we have a keynote speaker, and then they'll break off into a disease-specific session. So if they're diagnosed with a specific type of blood cancer, they can go to that specific sec- sec- session and hear from an expert on that disease. Like doctors? Will there be doctors there talking yes. about the, the various diseases here, the blood yeah. diseases? We have local experts that will be coming and speaking on those topics. Very informative. And then you went to that, right, Sarah? I sure did. What did you learn? Oh, man. I, I learned um, a lot of information about... So mine is considered an aggressive lymphoma. Okay. So the how Julie's talking about disease specific, it sounds so formal, but basically it's I mean exactly what it says, so disease specific. Right, so right, right. I went to a session in the morning about le- aggressive lymphomas and was able to learn things about the science of it. Um, and new treatments coming up and different things that I don't necessarily talk to my doctor about. You know, we talk about my treatment, my health, my side effects, all sure. of that. So to kind of take a step back and learn from an expert uh, all about what's happening in the world of aggressive lymphomas was really interesting to me. And I felt like a more informed patient. Good for you. So, Julie, would you recommend anybody that maybe has just been diagnosed, one that's been in the process for a while? Is it for everybody? It really is for everybody. We cover um, newly diagnosed all the way through into remission as well. In the afternoon, we have what we call survivorship sessions. So we're going to cover things like nutrition. And we hear often that fatigue is a, a big side effect and symptom of having chemotherapy. So we're going to be covering yeah. how do you uh, balance that fatigue with your life and how do you fight that? And how did you do that? Oof, it's still a process. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and how many years, how long have you been off chemo? Well, like I said, April 18th will be, be three, three years. years. But there's still it's some. Still, oh, yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, it's healing isn't this linear process. It's very like I'll have good days and then I might overdo it a little bit and then have to sleep for three days straight. And so it's very up and down. And for me, exercise has been a piece. I've been working with um, an oncology physical therapist, which is a very specific sure. uh, specific type of PT, and really working on slowly rebuilding my body so that I'm able to do more. I have the energy, and I'm more aware of what do I have going on in my week, in my day? How do I need to kind of manage my energy? It is a it is a process that I never right. understood people had to deal with. Is there any radiation involved with that um, in your recovery, your treatment? It can be. I didn't have radiation with the lymphoma. So that it, it can be a part of it, um, depending on, you know, the staging, where you're at, what the tumors look like, all of that kind of stuff. 
It is a process. We're talking with a Julie Jackasick. Said it right again, didn't I, John? <laughs> two for two. <laughs> uh, and also a Sarah Davenport. They're both with Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. They have a big event coming up. Say it again. It's what, May 4th? May 4th, the ninth annual Rocky Mountain Blood Cancer Conference. Ninth. Ninth. Oh, man, I bet that's grown a bit over nine it years, has, hasn't it? It has. Who's your keynote speaker? Let's talk about that a little bit. Dan Shapiro. He, or I should say Dr. Dan Shapiro. He is out of the University of Pennsylvania. He has written several books. He's also uh, consults with a lot of TV shows. He is a very dynamic speaker. We're very excited because it's, we try to get a keynote that's going to be engaging and sure. it's not going to be, you know, kind of a bring you down. It's going to be a really pump you up, get excited and not too medical. Not exactly. You know, they get up, exactly. these docs get up there sometime, and you're going, what's he talking about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and who's he talking to? <laughs> so it's not that way. No, nope, it's going to be a really fun. Well, that's know. fantastic. And what other, you must have other speakers, too. He's the keynote. Do you have other levels of speakers so, on, on more specific topics? So we have the two, the breakout session in the morning, which right. is all the disease-specific, and then we have the afternoon session which is the psychosocial, so the nutrition, the fatigue, things like that. So, Sarah, why should people go? Uh, well, first of all, it's free. <laughs> and you, know, and, and, you know my motto, if it's free, it's me. <laughs> exactly. I like your style. Uh, so that, I think, is such a big piece because we want to make it inclusive that anybody dealing with blood cancers, who's been through blood cancer, maybe supporting somebody with a blood cancer can really come and benefit from all of the information. Um, so it's free. It's local. Uh, it's just such a wealth of information, knowledge, and the community aspect. I met some people when I when I attended as a patient. I met one woman in particular who we have just become the best friends. She is a little sweetheart, and she was about a year after me um, going through treatment and everything. So it's just having that community piece and seeing so many people there who are at varying stages of the process and just knowing like, okay, we're in this together and I have support and there's a community here. Well, it sounds like a big bonding session. It sure I can I mean, be. seriously, you're going to meet people there that are in the same, almost identical situations. And as you said earlier, sharing information is so valuable to help Absolutely. some get through what they're going through, even though it might be different. Mm -hmm. In their mind, it sounds the same. Am I wrong about that? No, absolutely. No. And the the really cool thing, too, is at lunch, we set up tables. Wait, there's food? By there's <laughs> And it's free, too. <laughs> yeah, there's breakfast, lunch, and snacks. Wow. So, bonus. <laughs> Maybe um, I'll just come over. <laughs> and then at lunch, there are tables that have, like, disease-specific signs. So if you want right. to sit with people who have had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, you can sit with them. Or whatever you're, you know, whether it's how we were talking about before we hopped on here, like a chronic leukemia. And talk to them about, like, what is it like for you? How, what are you struggling with? How, what works? You know, having that as a resource. I think, and I'm just an average guy, that there's not enough information out there about leukemia and lymphoma. And I think this is a perfect way. I mean, could people attend if they're just curious about the disease? Absolutely. Even they're not nothing in their family, they're blessed, they have nothing going on, but yet... They want to maybe know more. Absolutely. We have a lot of students that attend as well. People who are considering studying the oncology field will come to get an idea if this is something maybe they want to pursue. 
Now, we were talking earlier. In fact, Sarah, you just brought it up again. A friend of mine whose daughter's going through leukemia, and I didn't know there, there's different types. Like you said, chronic leukemia. Mm-hmm. What else is there? What else is out there? I don't, I don't know. There are so many different subtypes. Um, And that's one thing, and Julie kind of mentioned it earlier with the educational resources that we have. If people go to our website, if they're you know, newly diagnosed and they go to LLS.org, we have booklets they can download. There's all sorts of information on specific diseases, on all these different aspects of being you know, having a blood cancer or being a caregiver and different tools. And maybe Julie can kind of talk a little bit more about that, too, because I think it's it's really helpful to learn more about these specific types. That's of, what I'm thinking. Yeah. So address that, Julie, if you would. So for the leukemias, there's acute and there is chronic. And then for lymphomas, there's Hodgkin lymphoma and then there's non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And for non-Hodgkin, there are so, I think it's 26 different subtypes. I think wow. it's even more than that. Maybe it's even, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of subtypes. Yeah. So a lot of times patients will say, I have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and that subtype matters. So we'll ask them, what, what type of, what subtype do you have? They may not know. They can go back to their doctor and ask. And then when they come back to us with that subtype, we can guide them even, we can pinpoint even more the type of information that they could use to educate themselves on that specific subtype. And that information would be on your website. It is. Well, all of it. Yeah. All the subtypes, all the, every single blood cancer is on our website. What, and what is that website? So we can get people looking now. It's LLS.org. Even I can remember that. Totally simple. Well, and one thing too, just to, just to point out. When you first get diagnosed, like, what do we first want to do? We want to just go and Google it. And that is a really bad idea. <laughs> like, you don't want to just Google your disease and go to any websites, any anything. On the Internet. Uh, I think every yeah. doctor out there, no matter what, tells you, do not go to the Internet. Exactly. But going to LLS.org. Well, that's different, though. You get yeah. very up-to-date, accurate information instead of just whatever you might find online. <laughs> well, uh, let's address something that you don't hear enough about. You always hear about the patient. You hear about the doctor. Let's talk about the caregivers. Because when my wife was going through her situation, I was the caregiver. I had four kids. My wife is very ill. And I'm working. And it was all right in the beginning. But after a while, I, I, needed, I needed help. I just couldn't juggle all the balls. How about you, Sarah? What was that like for you? I was I was lucky um th- like I mentioned my family has been incredible but they all live in different cities. Yeah. So they took turns flying in. Uh when I was going through treatment I lived with a friend so I wasn't living by myself. So you're not I, let me just say no no husband, no kids involved with exactly, this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So a, d- a different situation sure, for sure. sure, but my family would take turns. My mom would fly in for a week, then my sister would fly in for a week, then my dad. You know, so that's a lot and it's a big expense and just taking the time off from work and being there and being in a city that they don't know and having to drive and exactly so many different factors. But, you know, I definitely think, and Julie can probably talk more about this, but caregiver fatigue is a real issue. Absolutely. Let's talk about that because it's not obviously what you guys went through, but a lot of other health situations where you're dependent on family as caregivers, it always starts off well, but after a while it's hard. 
Yeah, and we hear often as caregivers, you know, it's the the focus is so much on the patient that the caregiver feels guilty about absolutely focus on themselves. That's a good point. And so that's what we try to do is support those caregivers in a variety of different ways. Um, that peer to peer support that we had mentioned earlier. That's one of the ways a caregiver can talk to another caregiver, and again, just to understand how did you handle this. How did right. you, if you have small children, how are you caring for your spouse and raising small children at the same time? It's very difficult. Now, do you offer options for caregivers like, okay, you're burned out. You don't have any other family around. Here's some people you can contact. So we don't have that locally, but we have, uh, we're tuned into what's around. So LLS doesn't offer that, but we know of other organizations that do. There's a lot of different great nonprofits. and So you can refer them. Exactly. To. And that's also on your website, I would imagine. Yes, it yeah. is. And we also have nurses and social workers at our 800 number, and you can always call. And if we don't have something, nine times out of 10, we know who does. And when you call that number, which is? It's 800 955 Four five seven two. Does an actual person answer, or it's not one of those robot? It is not a robot. It is not a call center. These are we call them information specialists, and they are all across the United States. In fact, there's one right here in Denver, and they can answer so many different questions and guide you through all those resources and guide you through the website. What's the number? Eight hundred. So they're going to want to write that down now. See, eight hundred nine five five four five seven two. Well, what would you want other survivors and caregivers to know if they haven't been to this conference before? We haven't really addressed that. Maybe they've heard about a guy. I'm not going to that. Why should they change their minds? Um, Sarah, do you want to kind of jump in? And Absolutely. So I would say if if they've heard about it and just never attended, definitely come. Like, Sign up, get registered. That's one thing that we haven't mentioned just yet. We would ask that everybody does register. It's free, but that helps us with headcount, making sure we'll have space and enough food and all of that. Um, Come check it out. Come for breakfast. Hear the keynote speaker. Hopefully that will help get you kind of fired up and plugged in. And then just see what it's about. There's so much incredible information that's shared that day. I invited uh, a friend of mine last year and his aunt, his uncle is going was going through treatment at the time. And I said, you know, just, just check it out. What do you have to lose? Really? And they came and at the end of the day, both of them made a point to stop me and said, thank you so much for sharing this with us, for urging us to come. It was beyond helpful. That's a good thing to know. So you said you had to register. Let's back up just a bit on that. Is that on the website as well? Where to register for the event? It is. So they, we have two. We are actually two concurrent tracks going at the same time. We also have a healthcare professional track. Oh, so, yeah. Do tell. What's that? So uh, nurses and social workers often have to get continuing education hours in order to keep their licenses current. I've, yeah, I know that. So we're offering four free continuing education hours in the healthcare professional track. So in the morning, everyone will co-mingle, they'll eat breakfast, they'll sit at their tables, they'll listen to the welcome in the keynote, and then the patients and the caregivers will break off into their disease-specific sessions, and the healthcare professionals will go into their room, and they will have a full day of education on oncology and hematology topics. That's pretty deep. 
It is. Uh, wow. But you got to have that. I did know about that continuing education, which makes sense. I mean, <laughs> you can't stick with something you learned 20 years ago. Things change. Absolutely. And we try to keep the most current topics, things that we know that are coming up there are going to be very relevant. We're very cognizant of making sure those topics are included in our conference. It's Julia Jackasek and Sarah Davenport, Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Let's talk a little bit about something I just said, Sarah. This is for you. From the first time you had lymphoma to the second time you had lymphoma, how was the treatment different? Had it come? Has there been new technology and new discoveries? And it was like that, like with breast cancer, it's come so far that in some cases it's a little easier than it used to be. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting. The first time I learned about the Leukemia Lymphoma Society was actually at a memorial for a friend of mine who passed away from lymphoma. And his parents said, don't give us anything. Just donate to the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And this was probably 12 years ago. I see. And that was the first time I had heard of LLS. And then when I was diagnosed, you know, cut to, let's see, about 10 years later, the treatments that were available for me weren't available for him. Wow. So I'm still alive and he's not. And I mean, that's not always the case and people respond very differently to treatments. Sure they do. But one of the things that LLS does is we put a lot of money into research. And so constantly on the cutting edge of getting behind researchers and, you know, new possibilities and clinical trials and all of that. And so there's a new treatment that was just approved by the FDA in 2017 called CAR T-cell therapy. And this is... Like, it's like science fiction. Really? It's really cool. So they take the HIV virus and they change it so that it can't give you HIV or AIDS. And then they infect the patient's T cells with it. So the T cells become like killer cells, like cancer serial killer cells is what they call them. Yeah, they're like, they look like the Pac-Mans. And so... Yeah, bananas. It's completely bananas. And it is like the most exciting new treatment that's out there now that's, you know, move forward. And then there's all these new ones that are coming all the time. Exactly. So, yes, it has changed a lot over the course. And the goal now is really to get away from the toxic chemos and really focus on precision medicine. So finding out, like, does a patient have certain genetic markers? Yes, and then, right. You know, having treatments that are more specific to that and finding new treatments that aren't going to basically make the patient so sick and give them so many side effects that then their life is really difficult after. It's like, okay, you just made it through all this. Well, now you have heart problems and these problems and, you know, all of these other problems because of the chemo. Right, exactly. So it is evolving and LLS is a big part of that conversation, which I'm really proud of. So that's where your money goes, folks. For whatever donation. And speaking of that, don't we have an event coming up later this year? We sure do. In one of our stations here. uh, Yeah, let's talk about what is it, Light the Night? Light the Night. So that's Sarah's really excited about this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love the Blood Cancer Conference and I love Light the Night. I get really stoked. Well, quick talk about that a little bit before we run out of time here. You got it. So just to just to touch base, so Cozy is our media our, our radio sponsor. Which is one of our stations here with 
Bonneville, our group. Exactly. Right. So I'm very excited about that. And then uh, the walk itself is on Thursday, September 26th. Got it. It's at Wash Park, and it is at night. So that's why it's called Light the Night. Um, oh, cool. Do we have like, lanterns or yes. candles? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have everyone who registers gets a lantern. Uh, survivors carry white lanterns. Friends, family, supporters carry red lanterns. And then if you're walking to remember someone you lost to cancer, you carry a gold lantern. And we had over 10,000 people show up last year. Wow. It's huge and just such a beautiful visual representation of the community and everybody coming together. It's so incredible. I absolutely love it. And more information on the website. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I always tell people who are considering uh, newly diagnosed patients, especially if they're considering going, just if you're feeling up to it that day, you know, if you're in treatment, you're not sure if it feels good for you that day, go and see what it's all about. You don't have to stay the whole time because it's really hard to describe it what it is, the feeling you get while you're there. That sounds fascinating. And I'm really proud one of our radio stations is involved with that. Yeah, I'm really excited about the partnership. And that's the way, and you raise money through Light the Night? Absolutely. Yep. So it's a big, it's one of our biggest fundraising campaigns. And people can create friends and family teams or corporate teams or, you know, just do individual fundraising. And like we mentioned before, that fundraising goes to help us pay for the research and provide all of these amazing programs for the patients. Right. So we got two things to remember. We got the blood cancer conference, May 4th. Yes. Can I talk at the registration site? Oh yeah, do it. So it's www.etouches. So that's E-T-O-U-C-H-E-S forward slash R-M-B-C-C-19. Better say that again. They're going to try to write that down. Yes. It's uh, E Touches. So www.etouches forward slash RMBCC19. Good job, ladies. So, Julie Jackasick and Sarah Davenport from Leukemia Lymphoma Society, LLS, thank you so much for coming in today. And- Sharing your story, Sarah. That's kind of hard to talk about that, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah. It, it can be. But, but you're helping people. I'm trying. You're paying it forward. Gotta gotta do do my part. Yeah. Well, and you have today. And Julie, of course, you've done a lot of good information here. Two big events coming up. One is free. That one on May 4th. Remember that. And then uh, Light the Night. I can't wait to see that one come up in September a little bit. So thank you guys for coming in. Thank, thank you, for you having so us. much for having us. You bet. And thank you for listening. It's Mile High Magazine. I'm Murphy Houston, and we'll join each other again next Sunday morning.